The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, but I had this irrational fear that my blood sugar wasn't going to come up. And I remember I, I was just walking around the apartment here. It was dark. And I was like, I don't even want to look at my, at my CGM because I know it's not coming back up. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Insulon Podcast. Hope you're well. Hope you're having a nice day and week. Graham, I feel like I haven't spoken to you on a podcast for a I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a while. What's been happening? Hey, what's going on? It's good to be back. It is uh, good to see your beautiful face. I am, um, I've been wanting to say this for, oh no, it's two weeks. It's been two weeks, yeah. The episode with Charlotte Hurst was absolutely incredible. And if you are a listener to this podcast, maybe it, this it, the year could be 2030 and you've just found this episode and you haven't listened to <laughs> Charlotte Hurst's episode. Oh my God. I actually said it in a message to you. I felt like she was a female version of you. It was like you were talking to yourself on the podcast, just in terms of your mentality wow. towards your diabetes. I absolutely loved it. She was an incredible uh, human being for what she did and what she put herself through and her attitude and her drive. And ah, I've, I'm running out of words to describe how amazing <laughs> yeah. that woman was and also running a super successful business as well. It just blows my mind how some people can be that driven and that successful. Um, it's, mm. She was amazing. What, what did you make of talking to her? Because I like talking to you after the guests uh, so we can kind of have a little bit of a debrief about what your thoughts was uh, when chatting to her. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like it was, I, I just enjoyed it so much. Like it was so, so, so enjoyable for me to have that type of conversation because I'm just fascinated by people like that. And I'm fascinated by like somebody who puts them through such difficult things 
And what I what I call it is like voluntary challenge. I'm deciding to put myself through this incredibly difficult thing for for o- only a reason for myself. And that's what I found fascinating about Charlotte. And that's what I do find fascinating about a lot of people that do these types of things. It's not for anybody else. It's it's for me and it's for what it's about what I can learn about myself. And that's what I really found so fascinating about Charlotte. I appreciate that you said it was like I was talking to myself. She's obviously on a whole other level, but similar sort of mentality in terms of wanting to like have that challenge. But just as you say, I'm even kind of lost for words based off the conversation that I had because it was just unbelievable. And generally what I do, and anybody who's in my program knows this, but generally what I do after I have conversations like that with somebody who like is at a, at a different place in their life to where I am, whether it be mindset, business, physical, whatever. After I have a conversation with somebody like that, I sit down by myself for like 30 minutes and just write down my main takeaways from that conversation and look at what are they doing that I'm not doing? How do they feel about things that I might feel differently about? And it's a good way for me. And I definitely recommend anybody to do this. If you have a really interesting conversation with somebody who is doing something that maybe you want to do take a note of the conversation. What did you talk about? What stood out to you? What did you learn from? And it just ingrains it more into your mind as opposed to having a conversation then it just kind of ooh, disappears and you almost forget about it. So yeah, that, that episode with Charlotte was just amazing. So as you said, Graham, if you haven't listened to that episode, please do. It is unbelievable. And the thing about it is it perfectly highlights how despite living with type 1 diabetes essentially you can do anything i'm not saying anybody listening has to run a 250k marathon (laughs) through desert but it goes to show that if this person and i i really 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 believe this if this person can do this thing so can i or i can do something else that's challenging And I mean, there's a voice crack. I was wondering what my voice crack today, but there you go. And I don't mean I specifically in terms of me, just I, you, you can do essentially anything with your diabetes. And Charlotte is just like a perfect, perfect example of that. Physically, mentally, emotionally, business wise, as you said, like, it's not that she just does these challenges and these events and, and these just incredible races. She also runs a very successful business, which in itself demands a massive, massive, massive amount of time, energy, and effort from your life on a daily basis. And that's something, and again, like I'm obviously not a a physiotherapist, but I have my own business. And a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people think that when you run your own business, it's like, oh yeah, you you, you pay yourself, you take wh- whatever days off you want. You know, it must be fantastic. Like, 
yes, there are pros, but there's so many unknown challenges that come along with it. Like it, it's a very, very difficult thing. So I felt like I could relate to Charlotte on a lot of those different aspects of her life. And I said it to her herself, and we were speaking for a while, a good while afterwards. From a very personal standpoint, it was such a motivating and inspiring episode to do for me to listen to. I really enjoyed it. Right. Well, this is a nice little segue into today's episode because (laughs) I actually know nothing about this. I spotted maybe two three weeks ago on your Instagram stories, you putting up some cryptic stories about you preparing for something. And I, I didn't ask, I just kind of wanted to see how it unfolded. <laughs> yeah. You did another one of these challenges that you tend to do every year or so. Uh, I remember you did a, a six miles every, what was that one? Every six hours for no, was, 48 hours? F- four miles every four hours for 48 hours. <laughs> That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like six, po- um, six point something K. Yes, that was it. That was it. So tell me, Owen, what were you doing a few weeks ago? Why were you doing it? What was the driving force behind it? And where did you come up with it? That's four questions. Uh, basically, I'm just saying, tell us what the hell went on. <laughs> right. Jump it straight in. It's funny, actually, as well, because... What Charlotte has done and what Charlotte explained in her episode just completely dwarfs what I've done. So I almost feel bad talking about it after the episode that I've done with Charlotte because she's just on a whole other level. But anyway, we all need to make progress. That's relative. Way, right? Relative. Relative. Yeah. Relative. That's the word I need. Yeah. So basically, a couple of weeks ago, I ran basically a marathon over 24 hours so i have done a marathon in the past just like a regular marathon but i wanted to see how i could change it and how i could make it more difficult and more testing essentially so basically what i did was i ran 1.75 kilometers every hour for 24 hours and one point it was because i just let's let's rewind there let's just get my head around that 1.75 kilometers kilometers so every 1. hour 1.1 miles every hour for 24 hours for 24 hours okay yeah. okay i've got that in my head continue <laughs> <laughs> and so, so something something that charlotte actually said in her episode stood out to me as well because i'm almost annoyed that we didn't do this episode closer to the run that I actually did because what Charlotte said was you forget about pain and I can't remember how she put it into words exactly but essentially what she was saying was you go through a really painful event and you kind of forget about the pain that you were in you kind of forget about how challenging it was so now even like was it three weeks after I've done it? I can remember it, of course, but it's almost like the pain that I was in throughout the 24 hours has just completely gone in a strange sort of way because it was absolutely horrendous. It was much more difficult than the 48-hour challenge and it was 
so hard, but it was amazing and I loved it. Okay, question. <laughs> How much time were you running per hour and did it get longer as it went on? And what did you do in the rest period? Did you sleep or how did it play out? Yeah, so good questions. Good questions. So basically, the, the reason why I came up with this challenge is kind of also down to the fact that I'm in New York. And part of the challenge, well, that obviously made it so much more difficult was essentially there wasn't really rest. There was no time to sleep because it was just... You do your run, you finish, you're preparing for the next run, essentially. And then throwing in the additional complexity of blood sugar obviously makes it more difficult. So one of the reasons why I had come up with this over the 24 hours was I'm in the city that never sleeps. So therefore, uh, let me do a challenge where I don't sleep, basically. Ah, uh, brilliant. But on average... So when I run, when I'm doing kind of longer distance runs, I have a pretty good pace in terms of the consistency of it. I wasn't running for time. I was just running basically, but every single run average, well, every single run pretty much came to about 10 minutes because it's a relatively slow pace, but it's just a good pace that I like to be in when I'm doing longer distance stuff. So average each run started on the hour for 24 hours. I ran for about 10 minutes and then the essentially 50 minutes afterwards was either hanging around where I was or coming back to my apartment and just essentially preparing for the next run, making sure my blood sugar is in an okay place. But the main reason why I wanted to do it was the length of it. And the fact that I wouldn't be sleeping. And the thing about it was, Graham, when, when you hear the number 24, it's, like, it's not really that big a number. It's not really that high because you can count to 24 quite quickly. <laughs> but when you're counting to 24 and each number is a run, it was the longest 24 hours of my life. It was insane. And this is, this is the planning that I had. The, so I had each hour written yeah. out on a piece of paper. So I started at 6 a.m., 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 onwards to the next 6 a.m. Yeah. So every time I finished a run, I came in and just scratched off the run that I had done. So I came in at 6 a.m. or 10 past 6, crossed out 6 a.m., 23 to go. And you realize how many there are when you're doing it. And I, remember, I specifically remember when I got to 12, I kind of started hurting at about eight because when you're, when you're doing eight, it was like I had finished eight and it was only what, like maybe 13, 14K, which isn't that far in the grand scheme of things but because it was eight runs over eight hours with essentially eight small breaks that gives your body a chance to tense up and and become stiff and cramp mm. i started to physically feel in pain on like the eighth run oh and i, I sure. 
yeah 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 so i specifically remember i got to eight and i finished and i was like oh my god i'm a third of the way through when i'm all i'm hurting already yeah and then i i specifically remember i was running around i think i did four in a row in central park because it was a really nice day a beautiful beautiful day the sun was shining it was like it was amazing i i loved it particularly the first eight to 12 because it was it was daytime it was light it was sunny there was loads of people around and in central park i did four in a row and then in between each run i would just lay out in the grass eat a banana or two and it was it was really nice yeah but as i said when i got to 12 i specifically remember thinking unreal i'm, I'm halfway through i've done 12 and i crossed off the 12th one and I looked at the other 12 that I had to do. And it was horrendous. Horrendous <laughs> because I, I was already feeling pain. But it was great. It was great. So I, I want to get to your blood sugar and how that all reacted in a bit. I just first want to concentrate mm-hmm. on the runs. So you're halfway through um, and you sense a little bit of, oh crap, we're all like, first of all, it was, oh, unreal. I'm halfway through. And then you physically look at the sheet and you're like, oh shit, I'm <laughs> only halfway through. How yeah. did that change your, um, your, your mindset in terms of the next 12 hours? And then did it also change like running around New York as well at nighttime? Was that an issue in your head as well? That's just kind of me I've never been in New York. It's just kind of something I would have thought of there with very little knowledge of New York or where you are in New York. <laughs> yeah. So when I got to the 12, it, I, I always, always knew this was going to be more mental than physical because I had done a marathon before. I know it's going to be more difficult physically because of the breaks and because of the length. But I was fully aware that it, like, it's, it's definitely more a, a mental thing, 100%. And... I remember when I was struggling and when I was thinking like, this is getting tough now that they're the ones that I enjoyed the most because Mm. they're the ones that you don't regularly do. And I I don't know if I'm going to articulate this right, but part of the reason why I like to do these types of things is the mental side of it. Because the way I look at it is like when you get to a certain place in a physical challenge, like you're mentally in a completely different place. And mm. it's almost like you're, you're accessing a different like decision-making, testing part of your mind that you don't regularly go to. Because you don't regularly do challenges like this. And... And that's even why I relate so much to what Charlotte was saying, because it's for her. It's not for anybody else. It's to physically feel like every single part of my body wants to quit, but I know I want to just keep going for whatever reason that is. So, and it was the same with the 48-hour challenge. I remember the nighttime runs with the 48-hour challenge my dad was cycling beside me 
because it was so late and it was freezing cold and he just wanted to kind of be part of it, which was really nice. But when I got to the latter end of that, and the same with this, with the 24-hour one, when I got to the latter end of that, it was, it was really physically sore. But also, you're just in a completely different mental state. And you can learn a lot about how you actually are. That's what I really believe. You, you learn a lot about the type of person that you actually are when you're voluntarily putting yourself through a, a really difficult physical and mental thing. And somebody's probably listening to this being like, this guy is a, is a weirdo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's something you learn so much from. One of the main things that I'm passionate about is the reputation that you have of yourself. And again, if anybody listening is in my type 1% program, we talk about this type of thing a lot in the sense of like the reputation that you have of yourself is the most important one. That's in my opinion, it's the most important one. And I remember, and I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth and back and forth here. That's right, go on. But the last five runs were horrendous, like horrendous for a number of different reasons. Physically, it was, it was so tough. Physically, it was so tough. But also, New York at that time, there was a couple times kind of like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., people were leaving bars, people were leaving clubs, and there was people around. And there was kind of a bit of a buzz. Even just me out running and kind of seeing people around, it was, it was an interesting experience. But the last few, it was quiet. It was dark. It was just calm. And it was almost as if I was the only person in the world. So weird, but there was one run in particular where I had come home and it was, it was again, dark. It was calm. It was quiet around the place, strangely enough for New York. And I came home and I looked out the window and then I just sat down because my feet were in bits. And I put my feet up on the couch and I remember thinking to myself, I could just quit here. I've, I think, four more runs. I can, I can just quit here. No, nobody is going to know that I didn't do the last four runs. How could they? I can just stay here, go to sleep, and it'll be grand. Nobody's going to know. I can just say I did it. And I was almost ashamed of myself for even having that thought process. Because every single party wants to just stop. Like every single part. And again, again, I hope I'm articulating this well because I'm trying to get back. I'm like back in that headspace that I was in. But it was almost like 99% of me mentally, physically, emotionally wanted to just not do it because I didn't, I didn't have to. This wasn't even an event. There weren't other people. It was just me. Like, and, like it, it, there wasn't the finish line and there wasn't people... Yeah that were going to hand me a medal or something at the end. But I remember thinking, and by the way, I'm not talking about this to, to say like, I'm great, I'm great. It's just the experience that I had. But 
99% of me physically, mentally, and emotionally said, Oh, you don't have to do this. There's four runs left, four hours more to go. Just relax. And I, I specifically remember, I said to myself, if I don't do this, this is going to sound dramatic, but I said, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. And I don't know why I thought that way, but that's genuinely how I felt. And that's genuinely how I feel. If I had have stopped, nobody would have known. I probably still could have recorded this podcast. I didn't plan on recording a podcast about it anyway, but I could have put a post on Instagram and say I did it, but I would have known that I didn't. Mm. And it was like, I knew that that would have a direct impact on the reputation I have of myself. That probably, that probably sounds so dramatic, no, no. but this is the headspace that I was in because I was, I was in a completely different headspace. But it was the 1% that was like, oh, you have to do it. You have to do it. Like, No, it, it makes complete sense. Um, and now I have to go to the gym today. I was considering not going, but maybe I, maybe I should just go. <laughs> uh, come here, talk to me. The reason we're all here, I want to know how it affected your blood sugars. Was it consistent throughout the 24 hours because you were being consistent? Or mm. was your body kind of like, why aren't you sleeping? What's going on? Yeah, so... Obviously, I'm on MDI, like multiple daily injections. So I'm t on insulin pens as opposed to insulin pumps. So the long-acting insulin that I take obviously is acting in my system for a longer period of time. So there's less freedom, essentially, to really specifically adjust insulin doses for certain types of exercises at certain times compared to a pump just for anybody who didn't know I was on MDI. So basically what I did in advance, I was doing the run on Saturday. So I wanted to reduce my fast act or my long lasting insulin in advance of that. So how I did it was I did a 20% reduction on Thursday, 40% reduction on Friday. And in hindsight, I should have done more. And the purpose of that basically was I knew that I was going to be moving much more than normal. I knew that I was going to be moving over a much longer period of time than normal. So I knew that inevitably at some stage, my bloods are going to start trending lower as a result. So that's why I wanted to reduce my insulin in advance of it. It was absolutely perfect up to, I actually think it was the halfway mark, if I remember correctly. I think it was the 12th run that my blood started trending lower. And that's part of the reason why when I got to 12, I was like, oh no. Like physically and, and mentally, it's a challenge now, but also my bloods are starting to trend lower. And I knew that once I started coming down for the first time, it was going to be a constant battle to keep it up for the rest of the duration of the runs. So how I went about it was essentially I, I didn't have any fast acting insulin for the 24 hours. Of course, I still had insulin in my system with my background. But for the last kind of 12-ish hours, it was run, come back to the apartment or stay wherever I was, Central Park, whatever it might be. But 
the only thing I was doing in between finishing the run and starting the next run was making sure my blood sugar didn't crash. So I was drinking Gatorade. I had cereal bars. I had a banana. I had bananas. I never want to see another bottle of Gatorade in my life. Right. But how I went about it was I wanted to, wanted to finish the run. Let's say in 10 minutes. The first thing I did was eat a banana because I knew it was going to be slower digesting. So I needed, I needed that to have more time to actually have an impact on my blood sugar before starting the next run. But what I wanted to do then was combine it with fast acting glucose, which was either, uh, what did I have? Gatorade, glucose drinks, or glucose tablets, which I would have maybe like 15, 10 minutes before the next run. So it was the combination of kind of slower acting banana, cereal bar, whatever it might be, and then the fast acting. But it was the last 12 that blood sugar, again, was just the added layer of complexity, the added challenge, essentially. Mm. And it was interesting as well, because the last few runs, and particularly the the ones that I was talking about just there a few minutes ago about the... Um, the nighttime ones where it was quiet, it was calm, it was just me. There were two points where I was genuinely worried. And my parents will listen to this and they're like, you're, you're an idiot for keeping going, yada, yada. But anyway, one of them was, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's irrelevant. <laughs> but sorry sorry about them, that, but uh, do yeah, it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So one of them was, I got to a stage where, I had this irrational fear, well, kind of rational, but mostly irrational fear that my blood sugar wouldn't come back up. And I came in from one of the runs, my bloods were, were trending lower and they were kind of dipping down. And I was like, I have to get something in, I have to get something in because I need to get my bloods up before the next run. And because I was already in this like completely different mental state where a lot of rational thinking can kind of go out the window when you're when like there's so much adrenaline and you're tired and you're it's just been a long day up up to that point but I had this irrational fear that my blood sugar wasn't gonna come up and I remember I I was just walking around the apartment here it was dark and I was like I don't even want to look at my CGM because I know it's not coming back up and I was eating glucose tablets and I was drinking Gatorade I was like I've run so much and I've run for so long that my digestion has completely paused. So even though I'm eating stuff, I'm not digesting it properly and it's not going to come into my bloodstream and bring my blood sugar back up. And this this is what I was like worried about. And I had this fear that I'm going to go out on my next run and my blood sugar is just going to plummet and I'm going to pass out. And because there's nobody around, nobody's going to find me. That, like that's what I was thinking in my mind. It was insane. Oh. Yeah, it was insane. It was insane. Oh. But then it was the that one percent that was just like you have to do it anyway. Which sounds ludicrous to actually say that out loud. Like it does sound ludicrous to say that out loud. But I, I must. I I knew deep down. Obviously, my blood sugar was coming back up. I wasn't like dangerously low, but it was. 
the fear of I'm because I have another five or six hours to go here. Mm. <laughs> but I had to do it. And then the other time, um, I genuinely thought I was going to have a heart attack. Which was, also which was also scary. Which was also scary. I so. I this sound. I, was, this, I, was, this I actually, wasn't expecting you to say that. Yeah. Sorry, that's why I laughed. I came out of the blue. This that actually. One did. Yeah. <laughs> this, act, this actually sounds quite grim and morbid. That, now that I'm saying it's this out loud, it is like I I didn't obviously have a heart attack. I wasn't actually having a heart attack, but. It was the last, again, as I said, before I even started talking about the last few runs, when I said they were horrendous, they were horrendous, right? But there was, there was one, I think it was my fourth last one. And I was just getting back to the apartment. Again, it was quiet. It was, it was calm. It was dark. But it was really warm because obviously New York is very hot and humid during the summertime. So yeah. every run that I did... I was pumping sweat, like pumping sweat. I don't really sweat that much, even when I'm running, even when I'm training. But because of the humidity, I was dripping. And I was coming back to the apartment and I was absolutely drenched in sweat. And it was really warm and my heart was thumping, obviously because I'd just been running. And again, I was in this like irrational state in my mind. And I was like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm actually having a heart attack here. Even though I wasn't, it's just because I was kind of freaking out anyway because I had run for so long up to that point. Yeah. And again, had that fear of, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die for some stupid run that I wanted to do for myself. And what a stupid thing to do. Do you know that kind of way? Because I was, I was genuinely having that thought. But then I got in had some glucose and got, got ready for the next run. Ah, you're some boy. Oh. <laughs> you're some um, boy. In hindsight, I should have reduced my insulin probably even more to avoid having the drops. And the way, the way that it was, because the runs themselves were obviously pulling my blood sugars lower, every time I came in, it was kind of just like about topping them up, topping them up, topping them up just to make sure they were okay for the next run. And yeah, I feel like I've been rambling. Do you have any questions? <laughs> My question is, uh, how long did you sleep for afterwards? And how long then did it take for your bloods to get back to normal? So I got, I got in. So the last run was actually 5 a.m. So I got, I got back at like maybe 5.15 but I couldn't sleep for like an hour because I wanted to shower because I was absolutely pumping and sweat and hadn't showered for 24 hours. And my adrenaline was through the roof. Mm. And I, I specifically remember it from my 48 hour one as well. It was like this really, really anxious, nervous, uncomfortable feeling that I had from probably just the adrenaline pumping through my body. So I couldn't sleep anyway. So I'd say I, I got into bed at maybe 6.30, but was lying there for like an hour 
trying to get to sleep. And also then on top of that, I also didn't want to sleep too soon after because I wanted to make sure that my blood sugars weren't just going to continue to drop, particularly around my sleep. So I was lying there for about an hour, had to eat a bit more food just to make sure that my blood sugar wouldn't continue to drop. And I didn't actually end up sleeping for that long. I I went, I'd say I slept maybe 7.30 and got up then at like maybe 12. So like four and a half hours. What? Yeah. Oh. But it And strangely enough, I wasn't that sore afterwards. I was expecting to be sorer physically for a few days afterwards. But on the Monday, it was actually pretty okay. I actually went to the gym on Monday. (laughs) Now, if I know Owen Costello, like I I think I know Owen Costello, he already has his eye on his another challenge in a few months. (laughs) Do you? I'm saying nothing, but yes, definitely. That was one of the first things I thought of when I finished. I was like, what, what are we going to do next? <laughs> oh, my God. But you know what? Again, I'm probably coming across in this episode like a weirdo. I'm not a weirdo. Well, I don't think I am. <laughs> but That's exactly what a weirdo like, would say. Yeah, yeah true, probably. <laughs> the thing about it is, going back to what I was saying about like the reputation that you have of yourself, when I, when I walked out of my apartment... The next morning, the sense of confidence that I had was unbelievable. And again, not for anybody else, not for a specific reason. But I remember walking out of the apartment and thinking to myself, I'm going down the elevator here. This is the first time in 24 hours that I'm coming down the elevator and not having to go for a run. But I remember thinking when I came out of my building, and I was just walking around, I had such an unbelievable sense of confidence because I knew that I had finished it, even though it was so difficult. And it was a really weird feeling. It was it a sense was of made, accomplishment. That's what yeah, it was like. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it made it sweeter because of my diabetes. Yeah, and definitely, and I'm sure anybody else listening to this can relate. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to run 24 hours, but anytime, and again, this is something I feel passionate about. Anytime you do something challenging, on top of living with diabetes, it, there's an unbelievable feeling to that, because only anybody living with diabetes actually knows how difficult. It is to do a challenging thing with diabetes, not even just a physical thing, just in general. And it made it that much sweeter because like I did this thing that I wanted to do for me by myself with my diabetes. I just felt so good. So that's why I even understand how Charlotte at the end of the episode that we did got emotional because for 10 plus years, admittedly, she didn't really even kind of take care of her diabetes as much as she should have. But then specifically through the episode, like spent an hour plus reflecting on and taking us through what she had done 
physically, mentally, emotionally with her diabetes. And I absolutely understand why she was like emotional about it because it's just an unbelievable thing for her to do, particularly given the fact that she didn't really manage it the best or didn't even fully accept it for the first few years. So yeah, it was just a a great experience. Really enjoyed it. (laughs) Really enjoyed it. But it was definitely more difficult than, more difficult mentally than the 48 hours. And even my dad was like, why why are you doing a 24-hour one? Or why did you do a 24-hour one if you've already done a 48-hour one? But it was actually more difficult because it was it was like bang, 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 like less breaks in between the runs. And it was it was definitely more mental than the 48 hour one. But it was good. Enjoyed it. Does Tom want you to run for a full week? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) But I didn't tell. Come on, Tom, give him a a break. (laughs) I didn't tell my parents that I was doing it because I just wanted to do it. But afterward, actually, do you know what was nice? One of the runs that I was doing, I ran by the hotel that me and my family stayed in the very first time we went on holidays to New York in 2003, which was exactly cool. 20 years from today. Well, from yeah. like this year. So when I ran oh. by it, I was like, oh my God, there's the Wellington in New York. So I took a photo yeah. at the Wellington and I think I had like 18 runs left. And I was like 20 years on. So it was, it was, a, it was a, nice, uh, that's mad. a nice thing to see. So that's kind of when I told them when I, was, when I was in the middle of it. I feel like I've just been rambling a lot throughout this episode. That's oh, all good. Owen, I think uh, congratulations in order. Uh, to do that without diabetes is absolutely incredible, but to do it while also balancing your diabetes, especially after hearing how difficult it was in the second part of it, um, <laughs> deserves a lot of praise and... I am, and I'm sure everybody else is, is in awe of your mental fortitude when it comes to uh, tackling these type of challenges and day-to-day life. So Owen, congratulations, fair play. And I look forward to you not telling us about the next challenge you do, but we'll find out <laughs> afterwards um, about all the oh. troubles and strifes that you, that you went through and fear of having heart attacks. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, this isn't for me. I appreciate it, Graham. But this isn't me to get praise, of course. Oh, I, I want. I know, that. I know that as well. By the way, I want anybody, and like even if you're the parent of a diabetic, to listen to this and think, if Owen can do that run, my son or daughter can do whatever they want. Or if you are a diabetic and you're struggling with something right now, it's normal. But remember. Essentially, you can do whatever you want. It just requires additional or different planning. That's the main takeaway that I want you to have. I feel like I'm uh, back in the mental state that I was in. But uh, as always, appreciate your time. Appreciate your ears. Look after your blood sugar. Chat to you soon.